freedom, man. That's what it's all about. Listening to What on Earth is Happening. This show will discuss the topics of human consciousness, mind control, natural law, the occult, and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of Earth. What on Earth is Happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches. It's critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome everyone, you are listening to What on Earth is Happening. Today is Wednesday, May 26th, 2010. I am recording this podcast um, because there was a glitch last night during the live slot and the podcast um, on TalkShoe, which is the new streaming and podcast service that I'll be using to do the show um, did not archive the uh, the talk for last night so I'm going to redo podcast number 9 today and uh, post it as an mp3 to both TalkShoe and to my own website in the podcast section my website is whatonearthishappening.com this show is normally live every Tuesday evening from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You could also catch the show on Revolution Broadcasting at www.revolutionbroadcasting.com. So, I usually begin the show with some event announcements and then get into the topic for the evening. Um, Today, I'm going to be doing two things. I will be reading an essay that was emailed to me that was posted online in a forum um, by a person who I feel understands and demonstrates through this essay their understanding of natural law and how it is intricately interwoven with human freedom. And that's what we basically do on this show. We discuss consciousness, we discuss natural law, and everything that contributes to the causal factors of what we experience, whether it be the experience of something positive and orderly and happy and good, or whether it is the experience of 
of suffering and chaos and disorder. There are causal factors to those things. And if we don't understand the causal factors, we are wandering blind. And we don't understand what is actually creating the reality that we experience and creating the situations in our lives that lead to either freedom or enslavement. So that having been said, I'll jump into the event announcements. I have two event announcements for events that are coming up in the Philadelphia area. The group Truth, Freedom, Prosperity is hosting a free documentary showing and discussion. They do this every third Monday of the month at the Ethical Society Building, 1906 South Rittenhouse Square. This month, June 21st, Monday night, June 21st at 7 o'clock p.m., they will be showing the documentary Generation RX about the pharmaceutical cartels and the effect that these substances are having upon particularly children. So come on out to the Ethical Society Monday, June 21st at 7 p.m. Generation RX will be shown and then there will be a discussion following the screening that's hosted by the group Truth, Freedom, Prosperity. Their website is www.truthfreedomprosperity.org. Also, a big conference coming up on Nikola Tesla and his technologies and how it could change if it were implemented the energy paradigm of the entire planet. When we see events going on like this uncontrolled disaster in the Gulf of Mexico, if we don't realize that it's time to end the age of oil and bring something new and better into existence for humanity, then we're not really paying attention. So I'll read the press release for this great conference coming up about Nikola Tesla, what he tried to do, and the technologies he tried to bring forward. The Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations, 2010, Philadelphia, PA, July 9th, 10th, and 11th. The Tesla Science Foundation brings together inve scientists, inventors, and enthusiasts for a three-day conference highlighting the need for a new energy paradigm. This July in Philadelphia, the science, Tesla Science Foundation will be hosting a three-day conference and celebration to commemorate Nikola Tesla's legacy and world vision. Tesla was a brilliant inventor who lived during the turn of the 20th century. His innovations resulted in the implementation of alternating current, radio, the AC motor, wireless technology, and many other influential inventions that we now take for granted in the modern age. Tesla's vision to bring clean, free energy to the world through advanced wireless technologies was blocked by the financial and corporate interests of his time. Through this event, the Tesla Science Foundation will bring together like-minded scientists, inventors, and enthusiasts who share the common goal of bringing Tesla's advanced energy technologies to fruition for the betterment of humanity. The event schedule is as follows. July 9th, and there are also a couple of small changes on the schedule. 
The Tesla Birthday Bash, July 9th from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. at Independence Visitors Center, 6th and Market Streets in Philadelphia. This event is free to attend. The next day, Tesla Fest on July 10th from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Also at the Independence Visitors Center, 6th and Market Streets, featuring exhibits, vendors, information, art, and music. Also free to attend. Same day at the Free Library of Philadelphia, there will be presentations and lectures on July 10th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The Free Library is at 1901 Vine Street. Featured speakers will be Russell Anderson, Michael Kelly, Tatiana Militech, Michael Treat, Mano Davina, Michael Craner, and Brian Yetzer. This event is also free to attend. The evening of July 10th from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m., there'll be a reception, dinner, and concert at the Arch Street Meeting House at 320 Arch Street featuring the Divine Hand Ensemble. Check out their website at www.divinehand.net. They're a classical ensemble centered around the electronic instrument known as the theremin. Pricing for both the dinner and the concert is set at $20 for both. Individually, if you want to just attend one or the other, the dinner or the concert, it's $12. I don't think you could beat that price anywhere. It's extremely reasonably priced for uh, a, a nice evening out with great people doing some good work and you can catch a, uh, a great concert featuring an instrument that you've probably never seen before. So the, the final aspect of the energy independence celebrations is the scientific conference, which will be a two-day event, July 10th and 11th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. A slight change there in the schedule, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. To Liberty Place, 32nd floor, 1601 Chestnut Street, featuring at least 10 scientifically oriented presentations. Registration is set at only $110 for the scientific portion of the conference. For emerging details, see the conference website at www.teslasciencefoundation.org or visit the Nikola Tesla Club Meetup Group at ntesla.meetup.com slash 38. That's n-t-e-s-l-a dot meetup.com slash the number 3838. So those are the event announcements for today. And before I get into the topic of today's show a little bit later, which is the prison of the left brain, an ongoing breakdown of the barriers to self-realization. And we're talking about the third out of four today. More likely next week we will go into the fourth and final barrier to self-realization, institutionalized belief systems. But today I'll try to break down the left brain only modality, which keeps us in the state that we are in collectively as a species. What creates that, what conditions lead to that state, and how we need to transcend that left brain only modality that most of us are trapped in if we're ever going to make progress and actually become 
truly free as a species. So, before I do that, I want to recap a little bit about what we've done up to this point and then read this essay. The recap will lead into why I'm going to read this essay and why I feel it has a profound understanding of how natural law and the choices we, we make, whether they are in harmony with it or in discord with it, is completely and inextricably intertwined with the level of how free we are or how enslaved we are. So, once again, what we do on this show is talk about the causal factors that lead to the conditions that we are experiencing. And as we said in earlier shows, the ultimate causal factor that is leading to the conditions of the world as they are now and forcing us to experience what we are experiencing right now as far as the loss of our freedoms and the the rampant control mechanisms that are trying to be put into place by people who do not have our interests at heart and many of them are just completely ignorant as to what they're actually creating. The bottom line causal factor is humanity's basic inability to tell truth from falsehood. We talked about the ideology of solipsism, which I called the biggest lie. The refusal to accept that there is such a thing as objective truth. The ideology of solipsism claims that there is no such thing as truth, that perception is reality. And this is the biggest lie, and this is ultimately how we are fooled and why we suffer. Because we refuse to accept that there is such a thing as objective truth, and we do not have the ability in a low state of consciousness to be able to tell what is actually the situation, to be able to tell the truth from falsehoods and deceptions. And that is ultimately the bottom line reason, the bottom line causal factor of what is actually occurring. It's what's driving what we are experiencing. If we come into harmony with truth, we will not suffer to the extent that we come into harmony with it. If we go out of harmony with truth and just believe in fantasy and illusion and buy untrue ideas and then live that way, to the extent that we do that is, to, is the extent that we will suffer. It's as simple as that. So in relation to this, we realize we have to take a look at what human consciousness is, what comprises it. And we saw that there are three basic aspects or a threefold nature to human consciousness, namely our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. And if we are to come into harmony with truth, we need to bring these three aspects of human consciousness into alignment within ourselves such that we become a being that as we think, so we feel, and so we act, and that we cannot be divided, we cannot be made to take action that is not in keeping with how we think and feel. This is called non-duality, unity consciousness, or what I refer to as dominion, or sovereignty, owning the self, 
self-governance, self-control. <clears throat> we looked at how the human brain works and how brain imbalance toward either the left brain hemisphere, which we'll be talking about later today, or to the right brain hemisphere, will significantly imbalance the rational higher order thought center of the brain, known as the neocortex, which will basically shut consciousness down to a large extent and not help us to foster the ability to recognize truth from falsehood or even to be able to reason. The brain, when it is imbalanced toward either the left or right hemisphere, essentially stops functioning properly and the neocortex stops behaving as the executive command center of the human brain. Therefore, we don't have access to higher level thought functions and we certainly don't have access to the ability to be able to tell what is actually taking place both within us and around us, not accurately. So, in keeping with that, we started discussing the basic elementary forces that are at work in our lives that shape our reality through our choices and those were love and fear. And we talked about how these essences are seeming polarities but they're really not opposites as we think of opposites because one is real and one is illusion and love, the real one is really the only one that there is, but fear is simply simply could be described as the absence of the true essence that is really there. So it can be present or absent to an extent, but really there's only one thing. Another example I gave to, to illustrate that is like hot and cold. There is really only heat energy and degrees thereof, whether it is if it is present, if heat energy is present, we say that something is hot. If, if it is absent, we say that it is cold. Uh, wet and dry, there is only moisture or its absence. Light and dark, there is only light or its absence. So these are seeming polarities. So we discussed polarity and how this is, this is like an illusion. There really is only one thing or its absence. Love and fear, we're, we discussed how these basic polar forces work to create our reality, whether we choose the true essence, which is truth, which is love, or whether we choose the illusion, which is fear. If we choose love, we foster dominion within the self, and we foster freedom in the external reality in which we live. If we choose fear, we go into a state of internal opposition and confusion within, and then the external manifestation is control and enslavement. This dynamic, what we choose, is largely based upon our worldview, which we talked about different um, opposing worldviews toward the left brain imbalance, toward the right brain imbalance, and then we discussed a unitary worldview that we, in which we don't see ourselves and the rest of the world in a state of separation. We see all as one, and that uh, everything that we are basically doing to, anything we are putting out into the universe, we are also experiencing. We are not separate from that. So, as one suffers, all suffer. This worldview, this, this non-dual worldview is what we need to reach if we're really going to foster human, true human freedom. 
the opposite of that were these left brain and right brain imbalanced worldviews. The le severely left brain imbalanced worldview was randomness, which I'll talk about a little bit because this is the ideology that says there is no such thing as natural law. That the universe works on principles that are essentially cosmic accidents. The extremely right-brained imbalanced worldview we talked about as determinism, which is saying that there is no such thing as free will, that everything is preordained. Neither of these are true or balanced worldviews. The truth is that the universe is a combination of both of these, that there is a random component known as free will in which we get to choose. And that is up to us. Therefore, it is essentially random. No one can make someone choose a certain thing from among many things. They have to actually use their free will to choose it. Now, they could be manipulated. They can be coer coerced through threats. They could be influenced in certain ways. This is known as mind control. However, ultimately, they make the decision for whatever reason, to do an act or to take a behavior, a certain behavior. And that's ultimately what creates the reality that we get when you apply this notion collectively to all the beings that live on this planet. So, free will is one part of the non-dual worldview that sits in the middle between these two opposites. The other component is the deterministic component, which is natural law, which is what I'm leading to uh, to talk about because that's what this essay is essentially about that I'm going to read. Natural law is what one must understand to understand what creates order versus what creates chaos. Or you could say what creates good versus what creates evil. Or you could say what creates freedom versus what creates slavery. These are basically the same principles. One is the, the things that we call good in life that lead to our happiness and not suffering. And the opposite component is the chaotic elements that lead to everything we call evil and suffering in our existence. So, we talked about the influences upon people's decisions, whether to live in harmony with natural law or to go into opposition with it. And we referred to those forces as magic and sorcery, each being defined as the influence, the art and science of influencing change to occur in accordance with the will. Magic influencing change to occur in accordance with higher will, will with a capital W, and sorcery influencing people's people to change in accordance with the lowercase will, which is a selfish will of the person wielding that influence, not the will of creation, not natural law principles, but the egoic, self-centered desires of the sorcerer themselves. So these concepts can all be referred to in my presentation and in previous podcasts. What I'm going to do tonight is read an essay that was sent to me by email 
that is very much in keeping with these principles, with the dynamics of what creates order and what creates chaos, and how critical it is for us to understand that, to know, intellectually know, not have a belief system about it, but to intellectually understand how these forces work, how our choices, whether they are in harmony with natural law principles, with moral law, higher moral law principles, how they create the reality that we must experience as a result of those choices. And until we understand that, no progress is going to be made. We're going to be wandering blind, completely blind, in a desert of useless ideologies that really cannot do us any true good. This essay was sent to me by a friend who was on the show previously, Daryl Rowland. Daryl Rollins, and he he sent me this by email, and this is a link from a internet forum, and the person posting calls themselves Aquinas. So I, I called this essay, it wasn't titled because it was just a forum response online, and I termed this essay Aquinas on Liberty. So I'll read it, and then I will chime in and comment on some of the concepts contained in it and expand on them a little bit. Aquinas on Liberty As long as we abide in partial darkness, we will continue to be conquered. If we looked very closely at the idea of liberty, we would discover that there is a radical distinction between true human liberty and liberty falsely so-called. Indeed, liberty falsely so-called is that same liberty which the New World Order qualifies as, quote, the bait of an idea to attract the masses of the people to one's party for the purpose of crushing another who is in authority, unquote, and as an idea of freedom which is really an infection and as a slackening of the reins of government. So what this person is saying in this first paragraph is there is true human freedom and then there is a notion or an idea of freedom that is put out by the establishment as controlled opposition, as basically baiting people into one's own movement for the purpose only of opposing another movement that currently happens to be in power at the time. This is how the two-party system constantly plays upon each other. They go back and forth and it's controlled opposition never actually true freedom. Continuing with the essay, where does the false idea of liberty come from? What is false liberty? What is true liberty? Knowledge of the correct answers to these questions 
is still lacking in the bulk of the patriot movement. And to the degree that it is lacking, so is integral unity and true power to overcome the menace. Until the patriot movement unifies itself under true philosophical principles, it will win only apparent victories, while the satanic New World Order continues its long march to total global domination. True liberty is the highest of natural endowments. It is the portion only of intellectual or rational natures, and it confers on man this dignity, that he is in the hand of his counsel and has power over his actions. But the manner in which such dignity is exercised is of the greatest moment, inasmuch as on the use that is made of the liberty of liberty the highest good and greatest evil alike depend. Man indeed is free to obey his reason, to seek moral good, and to strive unswervingly after his last end. Yet he is free also to turn aside to all other things, and in pursuing the empty semblance of good, to disturb rightful order and to fall headlong into the destruction which he has voluntarily chosen. Worse still are those who promote a false and absurd notion of liberty by perverting the idea of freedom or extending it to things in respect of which man cannot rightly be regarded as free. What he is saying here, he or she is saying here is, we are free to use our free will to come into harmony with natural law and thus create order, or we are also, and we are also free to use our free will to choose to ignore and or break natural law, attempt to break natural law principles, and therefore create a hell for ourselves if that is what we choose. And this is working, I will add that this is working, whether we are conscious of how that dynamic works or not. This works unconsciously. The, the goal is to understand how these principles work so that we can consciously come into harmony with them and therefore become conscious co-creators of our reality that we experience. Continuing with the essay, the Declaration of Independence states as follows, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Sad to say, this is a very ambiguous and therefore dangerous proposition, as it is subject to any number of conflicting interpretations. Indeed, the proof of its weakness is the young age of the total collapse of the American Republic. Obviously, that clause has not been interpreted properly. 
if it had been, we would not have devolved into barbarity in less than 250 years. It can be argued that the American Republic was built on Freemasonic sand, and thus, if we are going to rebuild it, we might want to recodify our foundational principles. In order for America to throw off its internationalist oppressors, a proper understanding of natural human liberty in the minds and hearts of the American people is indispensably necessary. For we the people have been brought low and have been rendered soft and vulnerable as the direct result of having imbibed and believed a false notion of liberty and the pursuit of happiness. As a natural endowment given to human nature by God, the omnipotent creator of the universe, liberty must exist for an end or ultimate purpose. And this end must be identical to the essential determination and composition of human nature, which is rational, i.e., intellectual and volitional. The end or object both of the rational will and of its liberty is that good only which is in conformity with reason. So I'll chime in here and say what he is saying is when we use our free will the only way that we can actually create liberty or freedom as an end is if what we choose with that free will is in harmony with natural law principles. One and the same with true reason. And that's what he is saying here. It must be done in a rational, intellectual, and volitional free will way. Continuing. Liberty belongs only to those who have the gift of reason or intelligence. Animals do not possess liberty. Considered as to its nature, it is the faculty of choosing means fitted for the end proposed. For he is master of his actions who can choose one thing out of many. Freedom of choice is, therefore, the essential property of the human will. But the will cannot proceed to act until it is enlightened by intellectual knowledge. For the proper object of the will is the good. The will cannot proceed to act until it is enlightened by the intellect. Nothing can be desired by the will unless it is judged by the intellect to be a good. Thus, in all voluntary acts, choice is subsequent to an intellectual judgment that something is good or desirable. The will is referred to as the appetitive power of the soul or the rational appetite. Like the intellect... The will is a spiritual faculty. 
It is that power through which an individual seeks to execute an act or attain to an object proposed to it by the intellect. The object of the will is always the good, and even in the election of evil, it must be proposed to the will under the appearance of good. Anything chosen as a means is therefore viewed under some aspect of goodness. This is critical. I'm chiming in here now and saying that this is critical to understand. He is saying that the will, people's will, is driven by what they feel to be good, what they think of as good, what they believe to be good. And therefore, they can be fooled into choosing an action that is not in harmony with the natural law, that will create disorder, that will create chaos, that will create what we call evil, in their ignorance of natural law principles, because something was proposed to them under the auspices of the good. Someone says, you do this, you take this action, and good will result from it. Not taking it may result in chaos, when in fact the exact opposite is true. That in most cases, taking actions that are not in harmony with natural law, that are based in control, and based in fear, and based in illusory power, will create nothing but chaos and disorder in the world. And until people understand, the ignorant people who are being fooled into doing these actions, by someone telling them that if they don't take such actions, the chaos will result, they are actually doing the work of evil, unknowingly, unknowingly, not consciously, but unconsciously because they are not conscious. They do not have the developed intellect, the developed ability to recognize truth from falsehood. We're not talking about just left brain intellect here, as he's using the word. This is holistic intelligence, reason, the ability to be able to tell what is actually taking place, both within oneself and in the environment or the realm in which the self exists and operates. Or what I gave earlier in this podcast, in this radio program, as the definition for consciousness itself. Continuing with the essay. Therefore, because in all voluntary acts, choice is subsequent to a judgment upon the truth of the good presented, declaring to which good preference should be given, it is an immutably true principle that human liberty depends entirely on intellectual judgments that conform to reason and the natural law. If a judgment which does not conform to the natural law or to reason, and which is, therefore, objectively false and immoral is acted upon by the will, then it is a source of grave disorder in society. Exponentially multiply 
the number of individual immoral acts, and you have a republic that collapses from moral decay in a short period of time. Absolutely amazing. This is one of the most profound understandings of how natural law works that I've ever read anywhere. And that's saying something. Because I've read voraciously since I was very young. And this person has a profound understanding of how natural law works in the world. I'm going to read that paragraph again and take it, analyze it a bit at a time. Because in all voluntary acts, choice is subsequent to a judgment upon the truth of the good presented, declaring to which good preference should be given. What he is saying here is when we choose something by our own free will, okay, we are acting upon what we believe to be true. And we are saying, we are declaring to which good preference should be given. We're saying out of all these possible options, I'm going to choose to do this because I think that is the way to go about things. I think that is the way to actually create good. But the problem with this is, if we are mistaken or misled in our judgment upon the truth of the good presented... What if we are deceived? What if we bought a lie? What if we do not have a true understanding of what that action will really bring about when we take it? I would suggest to the listening audience that this is where most of humanity is at in consciousness. We do not understand the repercussions, the true repercussions in natural law of our behaviors. And that's why we are continuing to get results in the world that we do not wish to experience. In the next part of that sentence he says, it is an immutably true principle. So immutably means unchanging. It always works this way. Immutable comes from the Latin verb muteo mutere, which means to change. Immutable Immutable means cannot be changed, impossible to change. It always works a certain way. That's how natural law works. An immutably true principle. Principle means first things. You know when we say first things first? Well, we're referring to principles, that which we should put first and act in accord with first true principles. It is an immutably true principle that human liberty depends entirely, not in part, entirely, 100% on intellectual judgments, and he means holistic intellectual judgments, not just left brain logical thought. Logic and analytical and linear thinking combined with intuitive and nurturing and nonlinear thinking. Care, true care, wisdom. Okay, in, in occult traditions, this is talked about this the this 
difference between pure intellect and wisdom is talked about in Kabbalistic teachings. The Tree of Life in Kabbalah, which we'll be talking a lot more about occult traditions in coming weeks. But the, the Tree of Life is made from these spheres or emanations known as sephirot. There are ten of them on the Tree of Life. And the top one is unity, pure unity consciousness that even transcends thought. It is pure being, pure unity consciousness. This is known as Keter in Kabbalah. But below that, there are two spheres, Chokmah and Binah, wisdom and understanding. Chokmah is true wisdom. Binah is intellectual understanding, knowledge. But then Chokmah uh, is wisdom. It is what you do with what you know through holistic intelligence, through having developed true higher order reason faculties by having a balanced brain. And that is the sphere that is closest to the highest point on the tree of life known as Keter. We need to develop true wisdom, true higher level intellect, holistic intelligence in other words. That is what lets us understand which judgments we will make that will conform with the natural law. So once again, that sentence is critical. It is an immutably true principle that human liberty depends entirely on intellectual judgments that conform to reason and the natural law. If a judgment which does not conform to the natural law or reason, and which is therefore objectively false and immoral, think about that, what he's saying there. When, it, when our judgment does not conform to natural law, by definition, it is objectively false and it is also immoral. That's absolutely true and that is absolute profound understanding of how natural law functions and how free will functions within the boundaries of natural law to create our reality. A brilliant, brilliant assessment in language of how this dynamic works. I, I, I totally commend this person for having write, written this with such clarity. If judgment which does not conform to the natural law and which is therefore objectively false and immoral is acted upon by the will, then it becomes a grave, a source of grave disorder in society. And that's just what we've been saying here on this program. When we are not in harmony with natural law principles, we create chaos. And if we don't know how they work, not believe, understand, and really know how they work, our actions cannot come into alignment with true wisdom and therefore create order. They can only create chaos. When you exponentially multiply the number of individual moral acts, you have a republic that collapses from moral decay. Moral decay in a short period of time. And that's where we're at, folks. That's where we're at. What led to people losing their freedom is the moral decay in America. Call it as self-righteous as you want. Say that I'm generalizing as much as you want. That is true. That is what is actually creating it. I am simply stating how a law functions. That's it. 
It is no more egoic or self-righteous than stating how the law of gravity functions. It's how it is. It is simply the case. Period. The end. Sorry if you don't like it stated that way, but I don't sugarcoat things here on this program or in life in general. So going back to the essay, I'll wrap up the last paragraph. Hedonism, i.e. the tyranny of the passions, has no place in the well-ordered man or in the well-ordered civilization. Unfortunately, our elitist overlords have long been at dumbing us down to the level of beasts that cannot employ their natural rational endowments, but only their carnal lusts. We allowed this to happen to us because we mistakenly believed that the lie they told us, namely that true liberty is the right to do whatever we want, whenever we want, as long as it is not illegal or discoverable. True liberty is an essential property of objective truth and morality. Therefore, there can be no true liberty in a civilization that enshrines moral relativity. And that's the end of the essay. And I'd like to go back over that paragraph because of how profound it is as well. Hedonism, the tyranny of the passions meaning the pleasure principle, living life purely for pleasure of oneself, one's own carnal pleasures, never taking an interest in wider global affairs, in whether human beings are living in harmony with natural law, are living in moral ways with each other, just just saying, as long as I'm comfortable and as long as I have the things that make me comfortable and happy, I don't care about what happens to anyone else. That's the, the ideology, the way of being in the world called hedonism. The tyranny of the passions, this person refers to it as. He's, they say it has no place in the well-ordered man or in the well-ordered civilization. Here's the concept of order again. What creates order? I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with enjoy, that there's something wrong with enjoying life. I'm not saying there's you can never have any fun. That's not. Don't get it twisted and say that's what I'm saying because those words never came out of my mouth. What this person is saying and what I am agreeing with is that hedonism, this is the pleasure principle gone awry to an extreme. In a world where immense suffering is taking place all around us, all we really care about is whether we're comfortable and happy in our own little pocket of the world. That's, that has no place in the well-ordered being or the well-ordered society. He says, Unfortunately, our elitist overlords have long been at dumbing us down to the level of beasts that cannot even employ their rational endowments but only their carnal lusts. And take a look around, folks. Take a look around. That's exactly what has happened. Through mind control, through the education system that we have set up in the Western civilization and indeed around the world, and through the prison of the left brain. Living only for the physical. 
connected totally with the five sense illusion and with ego identification and attachment, the identification with the roles we play, as we're going to continue to talk about in the second hour tonight. All connected with barriers to self-realization, the actualization and realization of who we really are. Continuing to break down this last paragraph, we allowed this to happen to us because we mistakenly believe the lie, the big lie, that true liberty is the right to do whatever we want, whenever we want, as long as it, as it is not, quote, illegal. Not in accordance with natural law, but in accordance, or not in accordance with the law of man. We could do whatever we want. That's not what the true will means, capital W. It does not mean do whatever you want. When the occultist Aleister Crowley wrote the words, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Will and law means capital W will, and law means capital W L law. To do the true will one must be in harmony with higher level law, moral law, natural law. People never quote the second part of that phrase, which is love is the law. The force of love, the expansive force of consciousness is the law, the higher law, capital L, the law of creation, natural law. Another aspect of that quote is, Do the will, and no other shall say nay. You will not have suffering if you are in compliance with natural law principles. Love consciousness, non-dual consciousness. Continuing with the breakdown, True liberty is an essential property of objective truth and morality what we've been talking about from the very beginning of this show. There is such a thing as objective truth and there is such a thing as objective morality. Our actions fall into two categories. that Those which we do have the right to take and those which we do not have the right to take. And those which we do have the right to take are called rights. And those which we do not have the right to take are called wrongs. The refusal to accept this, that this is in place, that this is true and operating upon us, is what has worked us into the mess that we are worked into. And until people accept that, don't expect it to change, ladies and gentlemen. Do not expect it to change for an instant. Because it is not going to until those principles are accepted as truths and as laws that are in operation, that we are bound by at all times and all places as long as you are in this three-dimensional space-time universe. And again, I'm not worried about other universes. On this show, I talk about what goes on in this Realm. That's why the show is called What on Earth is Happening. 
not what's happening in some other dimension of space-time reality or time-space reality. I don't know about those realms. I, I am, you ever hear the phrase, be here now? Be here now. There's no other moment except now. There's no other place except here. So be here now. Worry about other realms when you're operating within those other realms. If you have a way to get to other realms, wonderful. Do it, prove that you could do it, and then teach other people how to do it if you can get them out of this place, out of this hell, okay? But while we're here, if we're going to change the dynamic that we experience while we are here, then come to grips with being here and operating within the now. So... That is how moral law works. That liberty is a property of it. When we are in harmony with moral law, taking only the actions which we have the right to take, or being in harmony with the will, capital W, as we talked about previously on this show, then we will become free. If we ignore that, and we accept moral relativism, that there is no such thing as objective, right or wrong, then we're going to go deeper, deeper, and deeper, and deeper, and deeper into a prison. And I, it's, it's fine, actually. It's fine. That's how it works. Moral law, higher level, natural law, is always working, it's always in effect, and it always works perfectly. So there's no reason to even get upset about that. What we should really be getting partially upset about, if anything, is the fact that so many people are ignorant of how moral law principles work and are, in their ignorance, choosing to basically break those laws or violate them. Let's not even use the word break because they really can't be broken. They are in effect, we are bound by them, and they operate, period. The final sentence of this essay is, there can be no true liberty in a civilization that enshrines moral relativity. And that this is exactly what I've been talking about for weeks on this show. As long as we accept the notion that there is no such thing as truth and no such thing as objective, objective right or wrong, there can be no freedom. And the Patriot Movement and the Freedom Movement does not have a deep enough understanding of this. And I'll be the one to say that, since no one else is. Since some other people are, obviously. This, this person has a brilliant, deep understanding of it. And I would suggest he is an obviously an avid reader and constructs the language brilliantly. I would suggest that this understanding comes from studying occultism as well, which I'll bet if you spoke with that person, they would have a grasp of occult philosophies. So, the best assessment of natural law principles that I've heard in a long, long time. My hat's off to Aquinas, whoever you are. That'll wrap up the first hour here. We'll transition into the second hour in which we'll break down the prism of the left brain.
I'm your host, Mark Passio, and you have been listening to What on Earth is Happening. See you in a moment. Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome back, everyone, to hour number two of What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. The show is live every Tuesday evening from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. The network site is revolutionbroadcasting.com. So this is actually a taped podcast because I had a little bit of technical difficulty on Tuesday night with the new um, streaming and podcast provider, TalkShoe, and the uh, podcast was not actually archived. So I'm redoing the show here on Wednesday to get it up on my site and on TalkShoe. So, uh, I'll briefly hit a couple of event announcements for the Philadelphia area. I'm not going to read them to the uh, extent that I have been because I want to jump right into the topic for the second hour, which was the continuation of barriers to self-realization, specifically the third barrier, which is the prison of the left brain. So, that'll be the topic for this hour of the show. In the last hour, I read a brilliant assessment of natural law and how it is completely interwoven and inextricably connected to the level of freedom that we experience as human beings by a person calling themselves Aquinas that was posted to an internet forum and sent to me by email this week. So, event announcements. Monday, June 21st, at 7 p.m. at the Ethical Society Building, 1906 South Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia, the group Truth, Freedom, Prosperity will present a free documentary showing and discussion of the documentary Generation RX. Visit their website at truthfreedomprosperity.org. If you're in the Philadelphia area, get involved with this group. And the big event coming up in July... 
the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence celebrations, July 9th, 10th, and 11th. The Tesla Science Foundation brings together scientists, inventors, and enthusiasts for a three-day conference highlighting the need for a new energy paradigm. The control of energy is the control of human beings, folks. Make no mistake about it. This is one of the biggest fronts that the war for human freedom is being waged on. Energy. Tesla had a technology to bring free energy to people throughout the world for as long as the sun would shine. Free electricity. He was his dreams to do this was was shattered by the financial profiteers of his day. And this technology is still actively being suppressed by big corporations, by military, by intelligence agencies alike. The schedule of events for this conference on Tesla and his technologies. July 9th, 8 p.m. to 2 a.m., the Tesla Birthday Bash at the Independence Visitor Center, 6th and Market Streets in Philadelphia. It's free to attend. July 10th, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., Tesla Fest, featuring exhibits, vendors, information, art, and music at the Independence Visitor Center, 6th and Market Streets, also free to attend. Presentations and lectures for the Tesla Enthusiast, July 10th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. I will actually be the MC for this event at the Free Library of Philadelphia, 1901 Vine Street, featuring Russell Anderson, Michael Kelly, Tatiana Militech, Michael Treat, Mano Davina, Michael Craner, and Brian Yetzer. This event is also free to attend. I mean, the amount of work that's being put into this, three of the five events that are being hosted by the Tesla Science Foundation are free to come out to. There will be a reception, dinner, and concert for only $20, a price you can't beat anywhere, July 10th, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. at the Arch Street Meeting House, 320 Arch Street. A reception dinner followed by a concert featuring the Divine Hand Ensemble. Visit their website at divinehand.net. Finally, there's the scientific conference over two days, Saturday, July 10th, and Sunday, July 11th, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at 2 Liberty Place, 32nd floor, 1601 Chestnut Street, featuring at least 10 scientific presentations. You could register for only $110. For emerging details, please see the Tesla Science Foundation website at teslasciencefoundation.org. So those are the event announcements, and I'm going to jump right into the topic for this hour, which is the barriers to self-realization. We've been covering these over the last few weeks. We've already looked at the five-sense illusion, which is identification with physical matter, when in fact physical matter is essentially a construct for experience. It is not solid per se, it is a wave function that only becomes solid apparently when consciousness is introduced to the equation. This is known as the observer effect. And 
I displayed this principle through a video that I posted on the podcast section of the website known as the double slit experiment. Last week we looked at ego identification and attachment with my guest Walter Rhodes. We talked about how people identify with the roles that they play in life, that they believe they are the role that they play as opposed to understanding the true nature of self, which is consciousness itself. The higher self. That's what we're looking at. Barriers to realization to true awakening. Identification with matter. Identification with the roles that we play. I am a teacher. I am a doctor. I am a lawyer. I am a cop. I am a soldier. I am a politician, etc., 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 etc. When in fact we are none of those things, that is an experience we are having in the construct that we call 3D space-time. Today we're going to look at the third barrier out of four. The four barriers to self-realization, true awakening, are one, the five-sense illusion, two, ego identification, three, the prison of the left brain, which will be the topic tonight, and four, institutionalized belief systems, which we will look at next week, but we'll touch on some tonight. And we want to understand how the left brain prison operates and how it is connected with the other barriers to self-realization. So we can start by looking at it in comparison to the five sense illusion. Someone who is very, very identified with physical matter with materialism, with physical stuff and things, is very, very trapped in the left brain. The left brain. The left brain hemisphere makes it possible for us to experience life in a physical body. It helps us to understand the physical nature of the world in which we live. We use it to think logically, to think analytically, to think in a linear progression. If it were not for the left brain, we would not be able to engage in logical thoughts, nor would we be able to engage in manipulating anything in the physical environment in which we live. We wouldn't be able to walk, we wouldn't be able to talk, we wouldn't be able to see things and judge how far away they are from us, we wouldn't be able to basically use our motor skills, any of that. The left brain basically correlates all of these functions. So therefore it is critical. We need it. We can't really live without it. We need to use the left brain to go about our daily lives and function in the physical world that we live in. The problem enters into the picture when we live only in the left brain with no connection to the right brain hemisphere. And this has been referred to by many people as the prison of the left brain. Engaging only the left brain modality of consciousness and ignoring or leaving out or not experiencing the right brain modality of consciousness. When this happens, several things take place. One, we become obsessed with materiality. Two, 
the limbic brain, which is responsible for helping us to experience emotions in the body, the repercussions of what we do in the world with both ourselves and with other people, whether positive or negative emotions, both are made possible through the chemical interactions that take place in the limbic brain, the mammal brain. This is the midbrain, as we talked about in former radio shows where we discussed the structure of the brain. This part of the brain, when we live perpetually in left brain modality of consciousness, begins to malfunction and shut down. Therefore, to a much lesser extent, we are able to feel emotions, which is our emotional guidance system, our moral guidance system. That's what our emotions are. It is the guidance system that we have, our internal compass as to whether we are headed in the right direction in life or not. If we attune ourselves to our moral compass that is only made possible when we are engaged with the right brain in conjunction with the left, a balanced neocortex, the higher level human brain. Only when we balance these brain hemispheres and we come into harmony with the right brain hemisphere do we engage the midbrain in its proper role as a guidance system through emotion. And that constantly sends feedback to the neocortex, the part of the brain that we use to make decisions, that we make judgment with. We use the neocortex for judgments and decision-making, discernment, in other words, as Aquinas talked about in the essay that I read in the previous hour. Choosing one thing among many. How do we base our decisions? Well, we do that by the interactions that are going on between the limbic brain and the neocortex. And those can only be in harmony with natural law when we have a holistically functioning brain, a holistically functioning neocortex that is engaged not only in the left brain analytical and intellectual process, but also in the right brain nurturing and intuitive process, the sacred feminine side of the personality, in other words. We become, many of us become trapped in the left brain modality through several things. But largely, they can be summed up in one specific way. We become trapped in the left brain through what we take into ourselves. That's the easiest way to put it. We take in to ourselves physical matter that we refer to as food that provides the nutrients that our material body, the body computer, needs to function. The brain and body need nutrients to function in the, in the physical reality we live in. So we take in nutrients to fuel that system, 
but we also take in information through our education, what we are taught when we are young, and ongoingly what we are taught as we grow older, and through the media that we take in, the multi-forms of media, whether it be hearing other people speak, whether it be watching television, watching a movie, reading a newspaper, reading books, general conversations even that we have with other people that shape our views and opinions and beliefs and contribute to what we know and understand. So, what shapes the brain? The brain is like a sponge. It's like an empty hard drive. When we are young, the first approximately six years, all we're doing is downloading data to the drive. And this shapes the personality from a very young age. It's difficult once that download stops, it's difficult to rewrite the software. We have to use will to get into that source code and change it. And we didn't write it. It was written by all of the opinions, beliefs that shaped it while we were still in formative developmental years. So it's a big task to change through an act of will. It's possible. There are many people who are living proof that that is quite possible, who have gone undergone a radical transformative journey in their lives from a person that was a half of a being trapped in the left brain, some perhaps in the right brain, to becoming whole again and having a holistic, properly functioning brain in which both the left and right brain functions in harmony and in non-duality, non-conflict. The prison of the left brain is created by this download of information and most people stay in that modality throughout their lives. Most do. Largely, this happens through the educational system. The educational system stresses and emphasizes the first barrier to self-realization, five-sense illusion. You hear about reading, writing, and arithmetic in schools, but do you ever hear about is there, are there any classes on morality in schools? Oh no, there would be an uproar about that. You can't teach children right from wrong. Would you, do you ever hear any classes about how to live in social harmony, true social harmony, how to respect the rights of others, how to deeply understand what your rights are as a sovereign being and respect the sovereign rights of others? people? No. Because you couldn't breed a controller class like that. You couldn't breed people that are trapped in the left brain and think that they have a right to step on other people's sovereign rights. 
as sovereign beings. If you didn't put them into a left brain modality of consciousness in which they identify with the five sense world and in which they identify with the ego or the role that they are to play. You want to get people not understanding the true nature of self but identifying with the lowercase s self. Identifying with the role as opposed to understanding it as an experience. So, the five sense illusion plays a major role in this process. You have to teach people that the goal of life is survival and materialism, to acquire things, to constantly live in fear mode of lack, of not having enough. Never understanding that we are one, we're not separate from each other, never understanding that there is enough, that there need be no lack, this earth provides an abundance more than we could ever really need or use if we were to use it, what is provided wisely in wisdom and in stewardship not believing that we have the right to exploit and take as much as we want whenever we want. And the left brain prison fostered by the five sense illusion also promotes the idea that there really is no spiritual nature to human beings. Spirituality is not talked about in schools. You have government-funded public schools that won't touch anything of a, a non-physical nature, of a deeper spiritual nature, and you have then private schools that will teach various religions, dogmas and religions, but not philosophies not true ways to live in social harmony and harmony with nature which is the love of wisdom only a philosophy can teach that and there are no schools for philosophy you could study it in college, yes what schools are teaching true philosophy in the developmental years of children I would suggest there are none if there are, I don't know of any. And are parents doing it? No, they're reinforcing the very left brain prison that the schools are helping to put our children into. So the education system is one of the biggest contributors to this modality of consciousness. And for all teachers that may be listening out there, get as offended as you like. Get as offended as you like. Because that's what these schools are doing. That's what modern schools are doing. And study about what they're really based upon. The educational models that they're really based upon. What we have in the Western world is outcome-based educational models that drive our educational institutions. This means that children aren't even anymore even being graded on knowledge. 
they're being graded upon how well they conform to the desired social outcome, outcome-based education. How well does our child conform to the system that we want him to submit to? It's called Soviet Union Educational Model. That's what it is. And again, teachers get as offended as you like. Because if you're involved in the educational system, the official educational system, you're part of that. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you accept that that's true or not, that's what's going on. That's what's going on. And this is why so many people are completely disconnected from any notion of spirituality whatsoever. It's why so many people growing up grow up trying to control other people. Because when the neocortex breaks down and ceases to function properly as the command center of the brain, when the left brain hemisphere is chronically engaged and the right brain hemisphere is barely ever used, the limbic system starts to break down. The person cannot feel the repercussion of their actions through their emotion, which is the moral guidance system for the being, and they become a controller that is living in the R-complex or the reptilian portion of the brain, which is only focused on control, survival, greed, hoarding, and more control. That's it. That's all it does. It doesn't do anything else. I need to survive at anyone's cost. I need to control whatever I can control. I need to, to grab as much as I can. Fight or flight modality. Stress mode. Perpetual stress mode. And we wonder why children have more and more illnesses. And uh, adults have more and more and more illnesses. Our hospitals are filled by stress-related diseases. Largely because of this left brain modality. Then what do people do? They're raised in a left brain education system. They go into a left brain workforce and they come home from school or work and they flop out in front of the couch to turn on the right brain modality and waiting for them is the mind control. Waiting for them is the propaganda to go to work on the right brain to say, accept this, accept this, accept this, be subservient, be subservient. Obey. Obey. Take this as truth. You'll notice on the news, it's geared toward the right brain. Because once somebody is, is engaged in the left brain mode for eight hours a day, eight to ten hours a day, always in left brain mode from the time they wake up, go through their rituals which are left brain, eat, go to work, do the same left brain activities all day, drive, left brain activity. They come home, they want to eat. Many times they're eating harmful foods, which we'll talk about on this show as well. We'll get into food and the dangers of all the different additives, chemicals, preservatives, etc. that are in food. And then they'll flop out in front of the TV and into the right brain modality consciousness shifts and right there waiting is the news broadcast with all tons and tons of blue light blue hues the color blue is geared 
It is a frequency geared to put somebody in the right brain mode of consciousness, which you're trying to get them to accept this information as true. Accept this. Take it. It's good. Believe it. Here's the blue frequency to tell you that it's comfortable. It's true. Blue goes to work on the right brain. But this can't really be achieved unless you kept somebody in a left brain mode all day long. Through school, through work. These are left brain modalities. And then after they come out of that, they have this need, this desire to switch into right brain mode. Because the body recognizes the imbalance and it strives to correct it. So you want to be passive. You want the, the, that feminine aspect of passivity. And that's what makes it so easy then to drive the propaganda home in the afternoon or the evening in front of the hypnosis box. The propaganda box. And people fall for it. And they can't disconnect from that poison because it's a drug it's a drug and the left brain prison makes it possible to get that into through the right brain imbalance so it's a dual form of imbalance and an important aspect of it is the left brain prison creates controllers and I'm, I'm going to start to break down the hierarchy of how control actually works in any system. It works through the same fundamental hierarchical structure, which is formed like a pyramid. It's compartmentalized and hierarchical. And you can see how the functions of the brain work in that system, particularly how the left brain prison helps to create a person that would be willing to take part in that hierarchy of control. So, if you have a hierarchical structure, let's say a corporation, you have the CEO at the top of the pyramid, it's only one person. Then below him you have a couple of vice presidents. And then you have senior managers. So as you're going lower in the hierarchy, you have more people. And they have less command decisions about what will be done. But think about it. The person at the top is all ultimately making the highest level decisions and can't be overruled. So that person is in left brain modality dictating to those below him. The, per the people below him, let's take vice presidents, for example, that then give orders to senior managers. They're both in left brain modality imbalance and right brain modality imbalance because they are completely subservient to the top level CEO. So they're in right brain modality when it comes to accepting his orders and then they go and shift into left brain control modality for those below them. This is how the hierarchy of the chain of command in the armed forces works in any military institution. This is how it works in any school. This is how it works in any bank. This is how it works in any 
hospital. This is how it works in any pharmaceutical company. This is how it works with the police. A great example of this dichotomy between left and right brain modalities and how it functions through a hierarchy of control is the allegory that's given in the movie Star Wars. You look at the beings that are on the Empire side. You know, the, the controllers. And you have at the bottom level all of these stormtroopers that are identical to each other. They're actually clones. None of them have any actual identity. They're clones of one person. You find out in later in, in the in the uh, the second trilogy in episode two you find out that they are clones of one person, Django Fett so these stormtroopers that wear these uniforms they're, they're all the same uniform, one form not changing they're left brain to all the people they're trying to control and put into a prison or a police state an empire but to their boss the commanders in the black uniforms they're completely subservient they take orders they follow orders so they're in a completely right-brained modality mind control in other words they're under mind control that works upon the right brain largely but it works through keeping people in a left brain modality most of the time. That's how you gain access to the right brain that basically makes the person accept and follow, accept and follow, follow orders, follow orders. That's a right brain imbalance. And then to the all the people they are told they are allowed to control and brutalize, they act in a completely left-brain imbalanced way. They are then the master of those people in their own minds. Not in reality, of course, in their ignorant illusion, in their total ignorance of natural law. They believe that they have the right to, to act that way toward other living sovereign beings but they don't and they never will possess that right because you know why? it doesn't exist they don't have that right period the end for all time that right does not exist cannot be granted it can only be believed it can only be claimed and believed but it does not exist in point of fact reality it does not exist that right so their commanders in the black uniforms, they are left brain when it comes to commanding their troops, the stormtroopers. But to Vader, Darth Vader, they're completely subservient and right brain and they're under his mind control. Vader is the same. He's not the, the top of the pyramid. He commands all the rest of the troops and forces and, and commanders. So... To them, he's left-brained, but to his master, the emperor, he's completely right-brained. See where I'm going with this? In a system of imbalance, of brain imbalance, 
and a hierarchical system based in control, which is based in fear, there are no free beings. Everyone is simultaneously a slave while being a master of some lower level slave. None of them are truly free. You can say, oh, well, who's the emperor take orders from? Well, in the physical body, yeah, maybe it's true. No one is commanding him, but he's still a puppet. He's still a puppet. He's a puppet to fear. A puppet to fear the dark side of the force which is what we've already talked about as one of the essences or the emotional polarities, the, the forces that through our free will decisions we come into alignment with one or the other and one of them is real, the other is illusion, fear is an illusion it is simply the absence of love or awakening consciousness the ability to tell truth from falsehood, the expansive force of consciousness, love, is real. Fear is the illusion. It can never create anything good. It can never create order. It can only create chaos. So these controllers, they want their new world order. It is an order. It's nothing of the kind. I think we should stop calling it New World Order and call it the New World Chaos because that's what it is. That's what they're trying to build, the New World of Chaos. You have chaos in society now, folks. You have no order. You have no, no actual even semblance of order. People who think they're creating order through control are delusional ignoramuses. They have no idea what they're creating. They are unconscious co-creators of their reality and others' realities. Others' reality. We have a shared reality that is created by the coming together of all the free will decisions that we collectively make. Through our understanding or through our ignorance of natural law principles what we do have the right, the actions we do have the right to take, and the actions we do not have the right to take. And so many people are choosing actions that they do not possess the right to take because they're deceived and they're ignorant and they don't have the intellectual capacity and understanding to understand that what they're doing is morally wrong morally wrong just like the Nazis in World War II under the Third Reich of Hitler and Himmler and Goebbels and others being told they had the right to do this and they believed it wholeheartedly thought they were doing the right thing still many of them interviewed today have no remorse whatsoever none if you want to understand how, we're, we're going to talk much more deeply about mind control and how it works in coming weeks. You want to understand how it works and understand the forces that led to the creation of the Third Reich? Well, you need to study the occult then. And you need to check out the documentary 
the occult history of the Third Reich. And you'll learn a whole lot about occult ideologies that led to the creation of a regime like that. And this is the same thing that's leading to the creation of the regime in the United States, the Nazi regime of America. The police state that's coming in through barbarian ignoramuses that have no idea what they're creating. Completely asleep at the wheel going over the edge of the cliff. A bunch of complete ignorant Nazi hordes that have absolutely no idea how natural law functions because they've grown up and stayed in a completely left brain modality. Now, you look at some brain scans of people who have eaten a Western diet, who have been indoctrinated into a completely Western style educational model, education system, whose diet is terrible, filled with additives, preservatives, chemicals, high fat, high carb, high cholesterol, high sugar, on and on and on and on. Fluoride in the water. Pharmaceuticals. Poison air, etc. You name it. Combine that with watching media upwards of six hours daily watching television, garbage, sewage for the mind. And you look at their brain scans and it looks like craters on the moon. It looks like Swiss cheese. This is a physical, physically provable phenomena that is backed by scientifically determined patterns in the human brain that are, are actually able to be imaged through modern brain scan technology. I'll post one of them with this podcast. And you look at one side of the scan and it is a brain that says normal. And this brain has global EEG, electroencephalogram coherence, meaning that both brain hemispheres are in balance. And this person does not eat a Western diet. They eat organically grown foods, not laden with chemicals. They meditate on a daily basis. They don't watch a lot of television. They read books. They read books. And the brain is balanced. And they're not a controller. They're not violent. And they're not controlled either. They don't do a job where they're subservient and just follow orders unquestioningly. They don't play the game of control. They're a sovereign person. They understand their sovereignty. Because they have a balanced brain. That's why they understand their rights. You can only be led into a barbarous, a barbarous police state when you don't understand your rights because you've been dumbed down not to understand them. There are so many people in the world that would not understand that essay, no matter how many times it were read to them that I read in the previous hour, because they're too dumb.
They're too dumbed down. They actually do not have the capacity, the, the neural firing patterns required to process information and language in a way that they can actually come to a place of reason to understand con conceptual ideas. They can only deal in the physical world, which is the prison of the left brain. Worldly matter materialistic identification. And they can only deal with the role that they're in. I am a cop. I am a soldier. This is what I do. It's my job. That's just my job. I'm not a being in consciousness, in creation, that has rights, that needs to respect the rights of other beings, that needs to grow and learn and understand what I'm a part of, indeed what I actually am. No, I need to believe that I'm the role that I'm playing, that I've been mind-controlled into playing, let's call it what it really is, and I'm just going to follow orders, the Nuremberg defense. Well, other people were telling me that I was allowed to do that. Yeah, you could tell anybody they're allowed to do anything. You can write down that they're allowed to do it. All the things Hitler enacted was written down in law. You know, he passed the law for all of it. Does that mean that they had the right to do any of those things? No, because law of man and natural moral law are two completely non-connected things, and one has nothing to do with the other. Man's law is illusion. It is oppositional by nature. There is no authority, true authority, that creates it. It is only a claim of authority and those who recognize the claim. While natural law is not an illusion, it is in fact, in point of reality, existing and operating, whether we are aware of it or not, whether we understand it or not, whether we agree with it or not. And it cannot be broken. And man's law may sometimes fall into harmony with natural law. More oftentimes it is completely out of harmony with natural law. And some would suggest it is almost always out of harmony with it because voluntary, voluntary cooperation with it isn't suggested. It is force. It is saying you must do this or you must not do this. And anytime you're introducing force, that is based in fear consciousness. You're instigating force. You're saying, I'm claiming the authority to be able to force you to do that. Now, responding to force with the necessary force required to put down an undue act of violence, which is the initiation of force, is within people's rights. So something like self-defense or preserving your right through taking a forceful action that will put down the act of an aggressor against a right is allowed within natural law. And this is something many people don't understand as well and something many people continue to argue against, particularly in the New Age movement, because they are deceived. They think there is never, ever a time for the use, the proper use of force. And of course there is. Otherwise you wouldn't have the capacity to take that action. 
in free will. But the initiation of force is not within natural law boundaries. Not within natural law right. That is initiating something you do not have the right to do. Coercion. And if you look at what law of man and government in general is, it's coercion. There's nothing voluntary about it. It's a group of people saying, we are claiming the authority to be able to make you do this or make you not do that. Because we are, are stating that this is in compliance with our law or not in compliance with our law. Not the law of nature, but the law of man. And you see, this is what it all comes down to, folks. Man wants to be God. That's what we're really up against here. Man is worked, has worked himself into a position where he actually believes that he can be God here. The hubris, the hubris is unfathomable. And only people who are completely, completely trapped and wrapped up in the left brain modality of consciousness could ever even begin to think that way. Because to think that way, you have to be in total oppositional consciousness with the self, and you have to be in total dual, duality consciousness with everything around you, all other beings around you. And that is where politicians, lawmakers, high-level religionists, high-level media people, high-level bankers, high-level financiers, high-level corporate interests, high-level politicians, politicians of all kinds, military of all kinds, police of all kinds. They do not understand natural law principles. And even if some of them may understand it at very, very high levels, they are choosing by an act of their own free will to violate those principles. And because they want to insulate themselves from the repercussions of that law, they, they get other people, put them under mind control by making them believe that they have the moral authority to do such things, and protect them, insulate them, provide a level of insulation from them with any of the people who would stop them from actually doing the things that they do not have a right to do. And until there are enough people who actually step up and stop them. And this could be done totally peacefully by refusing to help them in their agenda, by refusing to go along with and take orders from them, because they are not within their natural rights. This is what the original spirit of this nation was supposed to be about, respecting sovereignty under natural law principles that we were sovereign beings, meaning self-rulers. That's what sovereignty means. The ruler of the kingdom of self, the only thing you're allowed to control. You have control over your own thoughts, your own emotions, and your own actions, and nothing else. 
and the, the principles enshrined in the documents of this, the founding documents of this country were supposed to respect the natural law rights of sovereign beings and ensure that they were not violated by other people or groups of people. Hence, a republic. A, a, a group of people that would constitute these principles. <clears throat> Meaning, a republic means of the people. Re is of and public people. But we're so, we have so fallen from that ph philosophical idea. Now, I would argue that they went wrong in even constituting a government. It should have been stopped at the Declaration of Independence saying, we are sovereign beings, period, the end, and then take responsibility for that sovereignty and protecting it. That's what I think needs to happen. Once you give away any part of that responsibility to representatives that represent your interests and who you are, you've abdicated responsibility. That's what you've done. I don't care how well-intentioned those people are. Representative government, indeed government of any kind, is based on control and it is based in fear. And therefore it always will devolve into the barbarity that we see, the police state measures that we see around us, to a point where people are actually, actually these people for a paycheck are actually taking orders to stop other people from exercising the right to free speech. And that's where I tend to draw the line in the sand. And that's where I think other people should definitely draw the line in the sand as well. And I'm ramping up the intensity of what I'm talking about because we're in a very precarious position. And, it, and the sense of immediate, immediacy, the sense of urgency needs to be stressed. On the verge of going into a permanent hell one speech is taken away. Then you can't even oppose the aggressive acts that are being taken. And that's what it came to in Nazi Germany. And that's what it came to in Stalinist Russia. And in every other police state that has ever existed. Once free speech starts being messed with and they start hurting people into free speech zones or saying you can only speak over here or assemble over here or assemble over there. That's called a deep police state. A hot, a hot police state. Forget a soft tyranny anymore. You're moving into hot tyranny at that point. And the people who are doing it do not have the right to do it. Cops and soldiers, you don't have that right. You will never acquire that right. No one who tells you you have that right is correct. Because you don't have it and you can never acquire it. You're immoral. Your actions are immoral. Whether you think their moral, whether you believe you're doing the right thing, is irrelevant. You are taking an immoral action that can only lead to chaos in the world and in your own life. And your owners know that. And you have owners. You have owners. Believe it. You have owners. I worked with your owners. I worked with them for years of my life. And I heard how they spoke about you and what they think of you. And let me tell you something. You look upon 
the animal that you put on your table at night more favorably than they look upon you. Believe it. Because it's true. I'm not telling you that from any belief or any place I've read in a book. I'm telling you that because I worked with these people in occult orders that I was involved with years ago in my life. And I'm telling you what they call their controllers that work and do their agenda is they call them our dogs. That's their name for you. Our dogs. Because that's what they think of you as, a dog on a leash. The other term that they refer to the controllers that do their bidding unknowingly, that think they're doing the right thing and have no idea of how natural law functions and think they're allowed to just follow orders unquestioningly and just do immoral acts that are always immoral and always going to be immoral no matter what anybody tells them. They call them the dead. The dead. Yeah, the dead. Because they consider you spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, and morally dead. And that's who you're working for. That's who you're working for. The people you protect, you go over and you shut down other sovereign people's free speech rights and hoard them over into a little area, someplace on the other side of a city when, when the G20 comes or when the World Trade Organization comes to a town. These are the very people calling you the dead. And they're right. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. When I first heard a person in an occult order refer to people like that, I got so enraged that they would have the nerve to refer to other living people as dead and as dogs that I, I totally, like, I was disgusted to the core of my being. As much as even in a, in a left-brain modality as I was, I recognized the inherent wrongness in that. And you know what they told me? When I said you're gonna, you're gonna, I'm, I may try to even expose that. Oh, you're gonna go and wake the dead. You're gonna go and explain to people who can't think, who won't think, what's really going on. Good luck. No, no concern whatsoever. No concern at all. Because they know how much under mind control they have people like that. Because they know how deep in the left brain prison they got you. And that's how that works. The left brain prison, and then shunt them over into the right brain to program them. And that's what they are. They're wind-up toy soldiers to be used, abused, and thrown away when the agenda is done for your role in it. And that's why they call you our dogs. Not my words. Not my words, folks. Their words their words, the financial elite's words, the occult elite's words, not mine. But again, one of the most powerful phrases that can ever leave a human being's mouth, when I said, no, it'll be, it would be a simple matter of just telling them what they're doing and how they're being used and they'll listen and they'll do the right thing, I actually believe that in my naivete that the mind control they were under wasn't as strong as I had originally thought. And I was wrong. 
and I'll say it a billion more times probably before I go. That's the prison of the left brain. That's how it works. Next week we'll be covering institutionalized belief systems. I'm Mark Passio, and this has been What on Earth is Happening. See you here live next Tuesday night.